Very interesting reading. The uh, grinders, us old fellows know, are the teeth, and the windows are our eyes. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up to the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshoppers drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also implanted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything additional to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Not all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Thank you, Jan and Hazel, and um, thank you to everyone who's shared and prayed this morning. It's it's a um, very exciting service to be part of. My name is Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury. A special welcome to our regular members here this morning, but also to everyone who's visiting with the, the Prince family. It's a, it's a wonderful occasion. Uh, Jim Steins was a former AFL player who was diagnosed with cancer in his early 40s. And this is how he described the thought process he went through at that time. He said... I was staggered to realise that I had never really looked at life in the knowledge that we all must one day die. Now, I could not help but feel the 
that the stopwatch on my life had begun. While I could have no way of knowing when it would stop, I wanted to make better use of whatever time remained, whether that was to be months, years, or decades. That remaining time for him ended up being about two and a half years. Um, for me and for you, well, who knows how long that is. What, what we do know is that death is a bitter reality. It's the great enemy. It can throw our lives upside down in an instant when it strikes. Don't know if it's just me getting all that extra noise. Richard, just, just sing out if you want me to use the microphone instead. Just adjust my face. That's all good. Just talk among yourselves. How's that? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Just, uh, just keep you all on your toes. Um, death, death has been kind of like the reference point throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. I realize there's quite a few people here that are kind of jumping on towards the, the end of the series. But um, throughout, throughout the book, death has been a constant. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes refers to himself as the teacher. It's, it's probably or quite possibly King Solomon, uh, though we don't know for certain. Uh, But whoever this teacher is, he's on a search for meaning and for gain in life. He he looks for it in his work, in his wealth, in his wisdom, in his pleasure, in his leisure, wherever he can think of to look. But even the best things in life leave him wanting more. He can't get around what a broken and frustrating place the world is. And as he searches for a fulfilling life, death is the obstacle that he, that he keeps running into. If life under the sun is all there is and then we die and that's it, how can there be any ultimate meaning in life? That's the big question that he's asking. And if that's the case, then shouldn't we just enjoy what we can now before it's too late? But there are little glimmers of hope in the book of Ecclesiastes, little hints that the teacher knows that there's more to life than what we just see under the sun. And we're going to see that a bit more clearly this morning, but I want to begin by asking you, how does the reality of death shape the way that you live? How does the reality of death shape the way that you live? The answer to that question is obviously going to depend on what you think comes after death. Um, If you don't think there's anything after death, if you think this life is all there is, then probably a bit like what we heard from Jim Steins before, you'll want your life to count for as much as it can right now and and to experience as much as you're able while there's time. Uh, If you believe in some sort of reincarnation, like um, so many of the Buddhists who women Micah have been rubbing shoulders with over the last couple of decades, uh, you'll want the good deeds in your life to, to significantly outweigh the bad deeds so that you can move forwards in a positive way. But what if the words of Hebrews chapter 9 in the New Testament are true? What if people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment? I want us this morning to see three ways that death should shape the way that we live. Uh, Two that we see in the passage that we just read from Ecclesiastes, um, and a third that's revealed only years later. Uh, so firstly, life is short, the teacher tells us. So remember your creator now. 
uh, Jan referred to it just before he gave us the, the second Bible reading there, you might have picked up that much of the, the final chapter of Ecclesiastes is effectively a poem about growing old. Uh, so we read there in verse 3, when, when the keepers of the house tremble, those are, those are our arms, when the strong men, our legs, stoop, when the, the grinders, our teeth, cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. So he's talking about when our arms, our legs, our, our teeth and our eyes fail us. Verse 4, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. So when our ears lose their sense of hearing. Verse 5, when the almond tree blossoms. I'll leave that up to your imagination, but that's what a blossoming almond tree looks like. So I'll leave that up to you to work that out. And then, of course, when people, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Obviously, that's when we die. And before all of those things happen, the teacher tells us, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. And so for 11 chapters of Ecclesiastes, the teacher has been building up to this point. And now he reminds us, we have a creator. He wants us to be clear on who we are and who God is. And when he tells us to, to remember our creator, he's not just telling us to, to remember it in our minds, but to live it out in our lives, to live as if we have a creator who rules us and gives meaning to our lives. So living a God-centered life. And he urges us to, to do this while we're young, while there's still time, because there's no better time to remember God and to build your life on him than when you're young, when you've got a, a whole life ahead of you to put at God's disposal. A day is coming for all of us when, when people are going to gather together and they're going to mourn our death. And so no matter what your age is, there is no better time to remember God than now. I've chatted to young people, sort of high school ages, high school age people, whose, whose approach to God is, is along the lines of, of this. They, they say, look, one day I'll, I'll straighten myself out, I'll, I'll live a Christian life, I'll do things God's way. But before then, I want to have a bit of fun. I want to, I want to do the things I won't be able to when I'm, when I'm taking God seriously. And, you know, who am I to judge? I was, I was pretty similar to that when I was a teenager as well. But, but what I've never come across is, is someone who's come to know God later in life. And they look back longingly at their previous life and think, gee, gee, I wish I'd lived. I'm glad I lived life properly while I had the chance. Never, never heard someone say that. Remembering our creator isn't just honoring to him, but, but it's good for us as well. So can you see for the teacher, death isn't meaningless at all. Death is a motivator to seek and to serve God while there's still time. Because one day there won't be. Which brings us to our second point. Judgment is real, so fear your God now. Uh, it's a bit of a funny ending to Ecclesiastes. It, it seems like what happens is the teacher puts down his pen about halfway through chapter 12 and, and someone else comes along. We'll call this second person the editor, just for, for ease of memory. Someone else comes along and, and writes a little postscript conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes. And, and this is what the, the editor says. He tells us, the words of the wise are like goads. Now, 
goad isn't a word we use very often, but it's basically a sharp stick that you use to, to herd cattle. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Now, this shepherd might be referring to the teacher himself, or it could be that, that God himself is being described with these words, uh, which would explain what he says next. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. There are endless books to read, much more so today than, than back then. Endless wisdom to choose from. Seek God's wisdom first, he's saying. And then in the final verses of the book, the editor ties the teacher's writings together into a final conclusion. Twelve chapters of Ecclesiastes comes down to this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So the, the conclusion of the teacher's search for meaning in life is that we should fear God and keep his commandments. This is our duty. This is what life is all about. The teacher has shown us throughout the book that, that nothing else satisfies, nothing else fulfills. Work, money, pleasures, they don't fulfill us. We still face the reality of a broken world and death. So remember your creator. And what were we created to do? To fear God and to keep his commands. Which, when you first read it, it doesn't sound overly warm and relational, does it? I don't know what sorts of things you fear. I remember when I was younger, when I was a, a boy, the, the big fear that I had was that, some, was that a robber would break into our house while I was home asleep. I used to lie in bed awake, sensitive to every, every slightly unusual noise without fear. Uh, 20, 30 years down the track, I'd, I'd say my big fear now is something happening to a member of my family. This fear of God, though, it's different. It's not a resentful kind of terror. It's, it's something more wonderful. It's recognising who God is. Knowing him in, in such a way that, that our hearts tremble at his beauty and his splendour. It's a beautiful kind of fear, a, a fear that recognises not just the, the greatness of God, that he, that he created the whole world, that he holds everything together in his hands, but also the goodness of God, that this mighty, all-powerful God cares about our every need. It's a fear that moves us to keep his commandments, not out of reluctant obligation, as if God's some sort of cosmic school principle or something, but, but out of joy, knowing that he knows what is truly best for us, because he's our creator. It's a beautiful fear, but it's still a serious fear, because... As we read, God is going to bring everything into judgment. And if judgment is real, then everything matters. See, throughout the book, the teacher has been telling us, if this is all there is, if there's, if there's nothing after death, no judgment, no afterlife, then nothing matters. It's all meaningless. But instead, everything matters. Because God sees everything. 
And he'll judge every word, every thought, every deed. Nothing is insignificant in God's sight. So is there meaning in life if I'm going to die? Well, yes, because every deed will be judged. Everyone will give accounts. Judgment is real. So fear God now. And if we left it there, we'd have a really powerful motivation to, to obey God's commandments, but not a lot of assurance. If every deed is going to be judged, then, then where does that leave me? It, I need to be better to please God. I, I need to do better. And maybe that's your understanding of what it means to be a Christian, living a life that's, that's good enough for God. That was, that was what I used to think that Christianity was about in my teenage years. And what I found was it was a huge burden to live with, thinking that it's all up to you to be good enough for God. Because you can never be sure. And, and, it, and it leaves you feeling resentful of God for, for setting such an impossible task. But that's not God's plan for us. God had a rescue plan that, that he was working towards even as the book of Ecclesiastes was first hitting the shelves. And we, and we see it in that Hebrews passage that we started with. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus has faced our judgment on the cross. And not just that, but Jesus is risen. And so we can rejoice in our Savior now. In our 1 Corinthians reading, we heard that our hope beyond death is tied right up in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus was never raised back to life, then we have no hope. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But if he has been raised, then we will be too, if our trust is in him. And on that day, we'll, we'll be able to taunt our great enemy. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Death does sting. We know that. Many of us, I know, are, are feeling the pain of death intensely right now. And, and whatever your background and whatever your worldview is, I think we all like the idea of there being something better after death, don't we? You know, I'm always struck by um, when, a, when a death occurs, how people who, to my knowledge, up, to, up until that time, were completely non-religious, com- completely no thought of the supernatural or anything, but, but in that moment, they cling to the, the, the comfort of their loved ones being in a better place, looking down on them. And, and we want it to be true. But what gives us that hope? What the Bible offers us here is, it's more than just something nice to, to vaguely hope for. It's something true. And it's all bound up in Jesus. If he rose from the dead, then death has been defeated. And we have a hope that goes beyond this lifetime and into eternity. Jesus died for our sins and he was raised back to life. It all hinges on this. If you're, if you're not sure about this, if, you, if you're thinking, this, this sounds good, but I'm just not convinced, um, please look into it. We'd, we'd love you to, to come along if you're around for our life series, which kicks off 
this Thursday night, one of the nights of the series, we're going to be looking at, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to be looking at, at the evidence for it, if we can believe that it happened, but also what it means for us, if it's true, why it makes all the difference in our lives. God will judge every deed. But the judgment for, for our sins, our wrongdoings, it's been poured out already on Jesus if we've put our trust in him. We don't need to fear that day. And his resurrection gives us hope of life after death. It gives us hope that death isn't the end of the road. It's the doorway to true life. So how does death change the way that you think about life? Do you have this sure hope after death? If you died tonight, do you, are you confident of what will be waiting on the other side? And if you are, then are you living in light of this hope? Are you remembering your creator? Are you keeping his commandments day by day? See, if this life is all there is, if Jesus wasn't raised and there's no judgment and there's no afterlife and the best we can do is to, to eat, drink, and be merry, then Christians are to be pitied. Paul is right in 1 Corinthians. And not just that, but, but quite frankly, if that is the case, Wim and Micah are crazy because they, they've given up two decades of comfortable life here in Australia for, for a much harder life and a much less certain life in Cambodia. But if there's more to life than what we see under the sun, if we have a creator, a judge, and a saviour, then Wim and Micah and Esther and, and Tobias, they've put the last 17 years to extraordinarily good use. Because people everywhere, including Cambodia, need to hear, understand, and believe in this gospel message. Having Christian material printed in the, the local Cambodian language is, is going to have a huge impact that stretches into eternity as will the, the care provided to, to so many mission families in the Hope School. I began this morning with a quote from a guy called Jim, and I'm going to finish it with another quote from a, from a different guy called Jim. Now, Jim Elliott was a missionary in the 1950s who was speared to death by a South American tribe who he was trying to reach with the gospel message. He was 29 years old at the time, uh, which in the world's eyes might be classified as a noble but sadly wasted life. But knowing that his, his efforts led to the gospel message being heard and believed in that part of the world, and knowing the eternal value of that gospel message, we know that his life was anything but wasted. And so he was right when he spoke these words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. None of us know how long we have. Every day brings us one day closer to meeting our creator, facing our judge, rejoicing and beholding our saviour. Every day is a, a precious opportunity to put at God's disposal and to bring him the glory that he alone is worthy of. Every day matters. When we look beyond the sun and when we behold our great God and when we live in light of his plans 
and purposes. Nothing is ever meaningless. God in heaven, we, we praise you as our creator. We live in reverent fear of you as our righteous judge. And we rejoice in Jesus as our risen, reigning saviour. Thank you for the meaning that you give our lives as we worship you in fearful joy. May the bitter reality of death be a reminder to us of the fallen world we live in. And may you use it to fix our eyes on the glorious new creation to come, when your son's victory over death will be fully revealed. Amen.